Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. All right, if you got your Bibles, we're going to have three texts that we're going to go to because I want to look at a, at a principle from the Word of God. And I think that this service today is going to bless you like crazy. And I think you're going to leave here supercharged. I think you're going to leave here inspired and feeling a lot of motive. Have you ever been through a time when it was just kind of like give up? You know, you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and it's just kind of like, man, I just, I don't know. I think you're going to leave here today with a very different perspective. And so the first place we're going to go is Galatians 6 and 9. Galatians 6 and 9. And the Apostle Paul, he is encouraging the, the believers at Galatia, obviously. And he says this to them. And perhaps some of them were thinking those same thoughts. Perhaps some of them had thoughts of throwing in the towel. Because he tells them. He says, let us not be weary in well-doing. Don't get weary of doing the right thing. For in due season, so at the right time, at an appointed time, we will reap if we faint not. Wouldn't it be sad to faint right before you made it to the finish line? Wouldn't it be so sad if, if, a, if the truck with your blessing is pulling in tomorrow, but you decide to quit today? He said, don't quit. Don't grow weary in well-doing, because in due season, you will reap. If you faint not. If you faint not. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. Again, Paul, now writing to the church at Philippi. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He says, I'm not saying I've arrived yet. I'm not saying I've got it all together. But this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't know. That doesn't mean we shut out precious memories. It simply means I can't live back there. Whatever happened has happened, but I've got to live now, and I've got to look forward. And so he doesn't mean to forget in a rude way. He means it in a really wonderful, encouraging, positive way. What is, is. What has happened has happened, but I can't live there, good or bad. You know, some people dwell on a negative past, but some people dwell on a positive past, and it's like, okay, yeah, you did it. Then we got to move forward. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. Everybody just reach forth right now. Just reach out just like you're grabbing something. Reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press. Remember a, a couple months ago we preached about pressing? Somebody shout press. I press toward the mark for the prize. That's that due season we talked about a minute ago. 
It's God's best. It's his will instead of our will. It's coming into uh, fruition that those things, the seeds that have been, what did I say? Did I say something crazy? Oh, my Bob Ross socks? <laughs> Somebody give it up. Come on. <laughs> it's, here's Bob Ross. I don't know if you can bring that camera in or not. <laughs> These people always distract me and get me tickled. Rose and Tiffany are not allowed to sit on the front row anymore. Anyway, here's Bob Ross. Here's a tree. And it says, happy tree. So if you wonder why I'm doing so well, it's because I got these cool socks on. Oh, here, Lisa. I, you got it? All right. Anyway, I was trying to teach about the Lord. I press toward the mark for the prize. I keep moving forward toward the right stuff, toward not just good stuff, but God stuff of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to let the distractions of the world keep me from the call. How many of you have ever sensed it? You get that feeling, I'm made for more than this. How many have ever thought I'm bigger than this little city? How many have ever felt like I don't belong, I don't fit in? That's a good thing. That is a good thing. That is saying that you are more than what you can see. You're feeling uncomfortable. You thought it was a bad thing. No, it's perfect. You don't feel like you fit in because you are destined to go forward. If you felt satisfied, you'd never move. So you're, you're here with a whole lot of people that don't fit in. Let's go to Hebrews 3 and 14. In this one, we don't know for sure who wrote it. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning. Somebody say hold. hold. We hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Let's pray and then jump into this. Father, thank you again for today. I need your help completely. I believe that you have given us this word. I believe you have given us the word season of harvest. I believe that you have given us this revelation of double. And I believe that you have given us this today. And I just ask that you would empty me of self and that you would fill me with you and that you would help me to say what you want to say instead of what I want to say. Let it be that we leave here having seen Jesus. And we thank you for it in your name. Amen. So I, I had to pick out of several hundred verses uh, that I wanted to bring. And I, I went ahead and just narrowed it down to these three. Or we would have been here a really, really long time. But there's something that I want to pull from these three verses that you will see all over the Bible. Reading the Bible is so important for our lives for so many reasons. How many of you, 
uh, this is just a curiosity poll for me. How many of you have ever felt, I wish that I did take more time to read the Bible? You know, your hands agree with the majority of people in the United States of America, believe it or not. In national polls, the majority of Americans, and not just those that claim Christianity, not just those that attend church all the time, there are a lot of people that believe, they do believe in God, and they believe there is value in the Bible, and there's something inside of them that says, I wish that I read the Bible more. I wish that I took more time to read the Bible. And so that's awesome that that is in your heart and in your mind. That's, a, that's an awesome sign. Reading the Bible is so important for our lives. Reading it and hearing it preached. And one of the things that the Bible teaches us, actually the Apostle Paul, again, one of the things the Apostle Paul teaches us is that we can never get out of preaching what we get out of reading. And he also teaches us that we can never get out of reading what we get out of preaching. The Bible teaches, you know, some people say, I don't need church, I can read the Bible at home. Well, if you were reading the Bible at home, you would know that it says that you need to go to church. <laughs> and so the Bible itself teaches that we need both. And then I know a lot of people that don't read the Bible because they say, I heard preaching on Sunday. The Bible itself shows us that we need to read it and we need to hear inspired preaching because it does different things in our life. It gives us different perspective. So the Bible is so important for so many reasons. Firstly, we learn about God. This is the number one. This was already in my notes before our discussion this morning. The number one reason we need to learn the Word of God is to learn about God, what He is like, what He has done, what He has done, and how we can know Him. That's the number one reason for the Word of God. And the Bible teaches us, Jesus teaches us in the biblical writers, that we cannot know God outside of the Bible. Right. That, absolutely. Uh, we learn about God, we learn what he is like, we learn what he has done, and we learn how we can know him. The Bible is the only book that tells us how to know him. We also learn lots of specific lessons about spiritual matters. We not only learn about God himself, but we learn how things work in the spirit. Do you understand you are not an earthly being that sometimes has spiritual experiences. You are a spiritual being that is living in an earthly experience. We are spirit, first and foremost. You are a spirit. You have a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So you are a spirit. You have a soul. You are in a body. So you're a spirit being. The Bible teaches us lessons about spiritual matters. The Bible teaches us how things work in the spirit. The Bible reveals the truth about invisible things. You know, if I touch a stove, I know it's hot without the Bible. If I eat ice cream, I know it's good without the Bible. 
And so I, I learn things that I, you know, I can knock on this floor and I know that it is hard. I know that the rug is soft. I can learn those things on my own. But the Bible teaches me the truth about invisible things, the things that I cannot see. In the Bible, we learn history. The Bible is the greatest history book that we have. We learn about heroes of the faith. We see great examples of the faith in lots of great men and lots of great women. We've been learning a lot about, too, the, the, the incredible creature that is the woman that God has made. But we also pick up on inspiring attributes that were common in the people of God. As we read the Bible and as we look at the different lives of, you know, you read all the great Bible stories. You read about uh, Noah in the flood. You read about Moses. You read about Daniel. You read about uh, Joshua and Caleb and Rahab and Jonah. And you read all of these stories and you begin to see common traits that were present always in God's people. These verses that I've shared today, they are a small fraction of the verses that show a very important common trait in the people of God. They show perseverance. They show persistence. They show giving it your all. Not giving up. They show pushing through. They show holding on until the end. With that in mind, let me read them real fast again. Let us not be weary in well-doing. In due season we'll reap if we faint not. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but there's one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. For, if we are ma for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. <clears throat> we see an incredible theme throughout all of Scripture, which is not taking the easy way out. Not taking the easy road. And not giving up, not stopping, but moving forward. We think about Noah. You know, we read it and we read that whole story in a few short chapters. And it happens very, very quickly. But Noah lived that over a lot of years. From the time God told him that there was going to be a flood. Now listen, a flood is big talk because it had never even rained. There was no such thing as rain. They had never seen rain. And God says to Noah, water is going to pour out of the sky. Do you know how crazy that sounds? If it has never rained? And then he says, and the fountains of the deep are going to break open. Do you know, how, how long was it from the time he told him till about 100 years or something? 
I don't remember right now. What is it? 120. 120 years. He's building a boat in front of his community for 120 years and keeps on believing that word. Keeps believing the last thing God said. God tells us something, but if our feelings change, we deviate from it. We need to do the last thing God said and stick to it no matter what. 120 years of being made fun of and building a boat for something that you don't even know exactly what it is that's coming. Amazing. Persistence. Perseverance. We think about Joseph. Joseph is an incredible example. Joseph had been the golden child in his family, kind of like me. Joseph was <laughs> Joseph was rejected by his brothers, sold into slavery, lied on, stolen from, cheated on for years, thrown into prison. And he kept doing the right thing. People now do the right thing with ill motives. Well, if I do the right thing, God will come through and get me the car, the stuff, the spouse, the house, the whatever. Our serving God is always like got this selfish motive thing. Joseph didn't see an end in sight. He said, no, I'm going to do right because it's right. If that is the only end, I'll do it for that. I'm going to do right by God because he's God. That's a novel idea. Per perseverance. Think about what he faced. Daniel. Think about Daniel. Now, we could talk a lot about Daniel, but let's just use the lion's den. This decree goes out that if you pray, you're going to be thrown in this lion's den. He does it anyway. He was willing to face death. I don't think Daniel went into the lion's den thinking that he was going to live. I believe Daniel went in probably... And, and if he had thought it before, when you see the lions, I mean, it's got to change things. And he goes in. He's got to be thinking, I'm mad at death. But he didn't change it. It didn't matter if he was faced with the end of his own life. He persevered. He persisted. Daniel had three friends. Meshach. Shadrach and Abednego. They're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And guess what? They did it. Now, they had a feeling that God was going to save them, but they had doubt at the same time. Did you know you can have faith and have doubt at the same time? Some of you have gotten scared when you've doubted God because you thought you didn't have faith. Let me free you today. The presence of doubt is not the absence of faith. The fact that you doubted does not mean that you don't believe.
And the proof is, where are you sitting right now? You have doubt, and you're still here. You have doubt, but you keep on praying. You have doubt, but you keep on reading the Bible. Don't worry about your doubt. Don't put any stock in your doubt. Doubt cannot be trusted. Never trust your doubt. Doubt is fickle. Doubt changes with the wind. Doubt changes with circumstance. Faith is deeper than that. Faith is that you're still moving forward while you have doubt. Who won? Faith won. So Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they said, our God will deliver us. And then one of them said, but even if he doesn't, he's able I know my God, even if I don't see it happen, it doesn't change who God is. It does not change that God is good and that he's good all the time and that he's good to me. I know my God. I know in whom I have trusted. So they persisted. They persevered. They said, we won't back up. We won't stop. We won't slow down. Jesus... Jesus, listen, everybody is very blessed that I'm not Jesus. Because I'm probably not dying for none, y'all. I mean, there's a few people in this room. One of them is sitting here. But Jesus, over and over and over again. You remember Jesus saying, how long do I have to put up with you? He would tell the disciples this. Jesus would perform miracles in front of the disciples' faces. Jesus would take two loaves of bread, or uh, was it two fish and five loaves of bread? Two fish, five loaves of bread, and then he feeds like 20,000 people with it in front of their faces, and later they doubt him. Jesus opens blinded eyes in front of them. And then they doubt him. Jesus opens deaf ears in front of them. And then they doubt. And Jesus would say, how long do I have to put up with you? He said this. Oh, you of little faith, how long do I have to suffer this? That's the word he used, to suffer you. How long do I have to put up? I'm suffering being here with you. You people are, you're, you're anointing leeches. You soak the anointing up out of me and then you don't believe me and how long do I have to put up with you the apostle Paul had the same thing the apostle Paul said it, it, he said I don't know he said I'm torn between staying and dying he said it's better for me to go he said it's better for you if I stay so think about this Hebrews 12 and 2 looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith which isn't that good news he's not just the author of our faith he's the finisher He's the finisher. You can't even have faith by yourself. He's going to do it for you. That's called grace. Thank God. I need his help to believe. Just like he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I say it all the time. Lord, I do believe you, but help my unbelief because I got that too. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross endured he persevered and he persisted 
despising the shame. He didn't regard the shame of being called something that he wasn't, of being stripped naked in front of his city, in being beaten, in being whipped, in a crown of thorns, in his beard being ripped out, and then having to carry the cross he would die on up the hill until he couldn't carry his own cross and collapsed and someone else carried it the rest of the way for him and then being nailed to the cross in front of his mom, in front of the disciples, in front of the people there, those that supported him and those that were cursing him and laughing while he died for them. Why did he do it? Because it gave him so much joy. There was something deeper than comfort. There was something deeper than happiness. You know, happiness and joy are not the same thing. I would not say Jesus was having a happy day on the cross. But the joy of what it would bring, which was you and me, the joy was so deep and so big he said, I'll do it. The joy to get you was so strong that he said, Father, if there's another way to do this, we'll do it. But if this is the only way, I want your will instead of my will. That sounds very different than the Western Christian mindset that we use this as a game to get what we want, that Christianity is a prosperity club to figure out victory for life, how to be a better me, et cetera, et cetera. This is about dying to self and adopting kingdom purposes. Persist Somebody shout persistence. persistence. Somebody shout perseverance. perseverance. Somebody shout don't give up. Shout, just hold, on. just hold on. I often think about our grandparents and our great-grandparents. You know, it doesn't take many generations to span well over 100 years. You know, one person can live 100 years. It doesn't take, you start talking about some grandparents, you start getting back there really fast. I often think about our grandparents and our great-grandparents, the things that they suffered because I think that some of the things we complain about, that we can't even compare them to what some other people went through and didn't complain about. I think about the wars that they fought. I think about the way they stood. While much of this generation needs a therapy puppy if their candidate doesn't get elected. Well, it's quiet in here now. <laughs> oh, here you go, you grown college students. We'll bring in some coloring books for you and a puppy. We understand when your candidate doesn't get elected. No, I don't understand because I've had it. I mean, we've got it going on right now, and I'm not needing a puppy. Come on, somebody. 
This is church. Loosen up a little bit. I'm trying to get rid of the puppy I've got. Anybody want Stan? <laughs> no, I wouldn't give up Stan. I wouldn't. He's my favorite idiot. <laughs> Folks seem to give up. They seem to get, give up at the slightest inconvenience. I see it more in church. Maybe it's because I'm around church people. People come to church for all kinds of different reasons. A lot of people come to church because they're hurting, and then when the hurt gets fixed, you don't see them anymore. I'm amazed how many people come to church to find a mate. People come to church while they're lonely, but then when they get somebody, you don't see them anymore. People come to church, the, the slightest inconvenience, people give up. They throw in the towel if the wind blows wrong. It's amazing. A friend of mine, Bishop Joseph Maiega from Uganda, his grandfather went into the ministry and he started, I don't know, 10 or 20 churches or something. And then his father took over, you know, the grandfather's son, Bishop Maiega's father. He took over. And he grew it to hundreds of churches. And now Joseph has grown it to thousands. And it's been a few years since I've talked to him. Thousands of churches throughout Uganda. And I asked him one time, I said, why so many churches? Why so many separate individual churches? And he said this, he said, DJ, he said, most of the people in my country, he said that we are trying to win, he said, they don't have shoes. He said, our goal with so many churches, he said, we don't want them to have to walk more than three miles to and from church. Let that settle for a minute. They're going to go to church. We're just trying to make it that they don't have to walk as many miles as they're currently walking barefoot. He said, when you come, he said, you'll see what our church services are like. He said, they get up before the sun comes up. to get there without the heat. He said, and then he said, here, he said, you always say, praise the Lord. He said, you'll have to be very careful if you say that when you come. He said, because if you say praise the Lord, he said, you might not get the service back. He said, we do praise and worship for about two and a half hours. He said, and then we preach. He said, and when we get done, he said, we stop. He said, for everyone to eat. And we all eat together in fellowship. He said, and then we have more praise and worship and preaching. He said, 
we have church all day. He said, and then they walked back home without their shoes. Persistence. Perseverance. We live in a microwave generation. We want things to work fast. We want things to work easily. We want things to work now. And if it doesn't, we're ready to give up on it. But what about hard work? What about finishing what you start? Does anybody remember a time that if your child said, uh, I'd like to try out for the baseball team, and then a weekend, the child says, I don't like this, it's hot, and it's hard, and I'm done. Do you remember a time when parents said, no, you committed to this thing, and you are going to go through this season. You are going to finish what you started. Does anybody remember a time like that? When you finish something simply because you started it. And you push through. And you push through. What about giving something a fair try? What about giving something an honest try? Are you with me this morning? I want to read you something. I send out a letter every week to every first-time guest that fills out one of the blue cards. I always want to thank every person for coming because you're important to us. Even if we don't know you yet, your presence means something, and we really do We appreciate that you are here. You gave up time to come and be with us. And so I always want to thank everybody and, uh, and also to let them know that we're here for you. We're here for you whether you come to church here or not because we're human, because we love humans. And I also want to encourage everybody to come back because I wish you would come back. So I think that's important. So I always, I send out this letter every week. And the Lord laid it on my heart recently to rewrite that letter. And I want to read you the letter now. If you're a first-time guest, you'll hear it twice this week. You'll hear it now, and you'll hear it in a couple days when you go to your mailbox. Here is the letter. Dear you, when we say we're glad you visited, we mean it. When my sister was only a baby and I was not even a thought yet, my mom was looking for a new church. She was too many miles away from her home church that she grew up in. And my dad was not attending church at the time, although he was a longtime member of one. She figured his church was the place to start. On that Sunday, she and my sister went to church alone. The building was full. 
Before the service started, no one welcomed her or acknowledged her. After the service, it was the same. The next Sunday, she went back. Again, it was the same. She said to herself, I'm not here for people. I'm here for God. I must attend church and raise my daughter in church. This went on for two years of no one speaking. Then two years in, someone said, hi. Introduced themselves, and it all began to change. At some point, my grandparents, who already belonged to the church, began to attend again. My dad and other family members started attending I had also shown up in the world three years after my sister, and now our whole family was there and very involved. We were there for two decades until shortly before starting the church that I pastor now. I'm so glad my mom didn't base her church attendance on people. Even though they were wrong in not being more welcoming it was still the right church. And she gave it a real try. You'll notice something very different at the river. We are so glad you came. Our church family is excited that you are here and loves to welcome all of our guests. When you come in here, you are immediately included. I'm asking you to give us an honest try. You cannot try a church out in just one Sunday. There are too many variables that affect your experience and the impression you get. You might have shown up on an off day when the pastor is on vacation or the piano player is out of town or our friendliest handshaker is out sick. Perhaps you came on a special event day that seems chaotic and you have a very different idea of how our services feel than they normally actually do. Also, you can't determine in just one Sunday or even in a few what the heartbeat of a church's ministry and focus is. It would be like meeting a person for a few minutes and prejudging everything we think about that person. Here is what I am asking every sincere person for. If you want to do what's best for your life, for your family, for your future, would you please commit to giving us an honest try? Eight Sundays. Two months. That is a small fraction of what my mom decided to give. Would you give eight Sundays of attendance, of meeting the people, and of asking God to lead and guide you? 
Would you give God a sincere chance? Would you give God an opportunity and give him time to speak to your heart about where he's calling you? We're not trying to get everyone to stay at the river, but we are trying to help people get where they fit. And we know that anything that is important in life must be given time and a real try. We are really glad you're here. Will you really give us a try? Would you really give us a try? Does this ring true with anybody? About life and about the way it works and about persistence and perseverance? You wouldn't go to the gym and lift weights one time and come home and say, well, that didn't work. I'm still fat and weak. (laughs) But you do it with church all the time. We had a young lady come years ago. She came one time, never came back. Somebody asked why, and she said, it didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work. What if you went to the gym and the day after you said, I won't do that again. Not only did it not help, now I'm sore. (laughs) When in fact, sore is evidence it's already working. I'm not going back to that church. They tried to correct me. Already working. Listen, if your doctor gives you antibiotics and you only take one and then you say it didn't work, you're going to be in bad shape in a few weeks because antibiotics are not like Tylenol. You don't feel different in 30 minutes. Antibiotics have to be introduced a little at a time until they are through your entire bloodstream. And every day you take a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And antibiotics do not wipe out the infection all at once. It drives it out a little at a time consistently, day after day and dose after dose. Church is not Tylenol. It's antibiotics. And you got to keep taking it. You gotta get it in your bloodstream. You gotta get it in your system. You've got to be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind. You've gotta hear it and hear it and hear it. Come on and hear it and hear it over and over and over again. Hallelujah. That's not the way it works. And that's not how church works. That's not how Jesus works. The prophet Isaiah told us it was line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. 
If you want to do this thing fast and all of a sudden you are in for a great disappointment because that's not how God works in your life. I'm not saying there aren't things that he does fast. There are things that he does. There are miracles that happen. But if you're talking about the life work, if you're talking about getting better after going through tragedy, if you're talking about getting better after a struggle, if you're talking about getting if you're talking about learning the ways of wisdom and living a victorious life. Listen, grace works slow but it works. It works. It works. You cannot measure a church in one service. If you're seeking God in your life for what he's calling, for his best, he never hands that out in one moment. You seek him over time and you give him room to speak. You give him room to speak. God speaks through a lot of things. He speaks through the written word. He speaks through the preached word. He speaks through circumstance. He speaks through friends. God speaks a lot of ways, and we don't hear one thing, and we say, oh, think that was God, and then do whatever. No, we seek godly counsel, and together, collectively, as a family, we pray about a thing that we feel like God is speaking, and we move forward into it. You have to give God time to speak. We hope you like it here, but it's actually not even about what we like or don't like. I won't go to that church. I don't like it. Yeah, well, kids don't like their medicine, but you tell them they have to take it. Because it's good for them. So we hope you like it here. We're trying to be very nice. <laughs> we, we're friendly people for the most part, you know. Certain days you might catch us on, maybe not. We hope you like it here. But you cannot even measure whether or not you'll come back to a church on whether or not you like it. That's the wrong measuring stick. It's about God transforming us into his image, which includes a lot of correction. When I learn that the word of God disagrees with me, guess who's wrong? The word is right, and I have to come into agreement with him. Some of that hurts. Some of that you got to swallow real, real hard. Sometimes you have to say you were wrong. Sometimes you have to apologize. Sometimes you have to be nice to people that you don't like. And sometimes you just got to get up and come to church. If you are considering going to church here, and I want to say to all of you watching live stream, if you live within driving distance, and you know how to drive, it is not okay that you sit at home and watch this service. That is not the assembling of ourselves together. You cannot do that instead of this. We're glad you're watching, but the joke's on you. This is our audition. It's only to get you to come here and actually be in the building. So where are you at? Next Sunday, we want to see you live in the service. You want to see him here in the service. 
if you're considering going to church here, if you're considering looking for a church at all, if you're looking for a church and you have ended up here, give God an honest, real chance. Maybe you are not here by chance. If you've been thinking, maybe I need to be in church, and you happen to be in this room listening to this message today, maybe God's talking to you. Give it the old college try. Come on. Give God, yeah, four years. (laughs) Give God a chance. You know, our church leaders here and our volunteers here and our members here at this church We have committed to being the best we can be for those that are looking. Would you please commit to giving us a chance? Give us a try. Give us a try. And beyond what there might be somebody here that's never met Jesus There are folks that sit in church buildings their whole life and never receive him. Billy Sunday said that sitting in a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes you an automobile. This is not just about the building that you are sitting in. This is about the building that God made you to be. Because you were designed to be the temple and the house of the Holy Spirit. You are supposed to be God's house. God wants to live in you. And God wants to live through you. If you're here today and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, we want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. I don't get into heaven by being good. I don't get into heaven by belonging to a church. I don't get into heaven by charity. I don't get into heaven by how sorry I am. I don't get into heaven by praying prayers. I don't get into heaven by memorizing Bible verses. There's one way to heaven. The Bible shows us that we are lost and undone without God and his son. And there's one way. It is to come to God honestly from your heart and saying to him, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I'm guilty of sin but I know you love me. You love me regardless. You love me so much that even in my sin, you sent your son to die for me. Jesus, I believe that you took my place on the cross, and I believe that three days later you got up from the dead. I believe you're alive. Jesus, I want to place faith in you. 
forgive my sin and come into my life. If, if we, from our heart, will do that, believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, the Bible says we will be saved. We will be saved. That he will write our name down in the Lamb's book of life. That we will be washed clean. You know, I said earlier, we are a spirit. Something amazing happens. That old sinful spirit, the moment of conversion, the moment you get saved, he kills the old sinful spirit and recreates a brand new spirit. And he resides in you. Now you still got your old thinking, and we will work on that for the rest of our lives in church. Reading the Bible and fellowshipping together. But listen, I don't have to get my brain perfect in order to be holy. I was made holy the moment I was washed in the blood. I don't have to wait until I'm getting everything right. I was made completely right when I received Jesus. Now I'm just working on looking like it. Now I'm just trying to get the inside to the outside. So if you're here today and you've never done that, I'd like to ask everybody to stand with me. If you're here and you say, you know, preacher, I... I've been in church, or maybe you have, maybe you haven't been in church. I've never done that, what you just said. I believe in God, and maybe you've read the Bible, but you say, I have never, I have never personally for myself placed faith in Jesus. I've never been born again. I've never been saved. I've never received him. Friend, he's looking for you. He is looking for you. Christians, please pray with me as the Holy Spirit moves on hearts and on minds right now. I want to tell you this. It's not a logical decision. I mean, it's not a decision made in your logic. Well, I got to figure some stuff out first. I got to be able to process this and that. And that. No, it'll never work that way. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit bypasses logic and goes straight to the conscience the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. If you're waiting to understand it all, you'll never come to Christ. I got saved when I was six, and I have been at this thing from that time until present, and I do not understand it. But I've seen and heard and experienced enough to realize it's true, and I see the fruit in my life, and I see the fruit all around me, You accept Jesus by faith. By faith. You decide I'm receiving by faith. If you want Jesus today, if you want to be forgiven of every sin in your whole life, and you want him to move in and wash your insides and make you brand new, I'm going to ask you to do something. It's going to seem like the hardest thing in the world. 
but then it won't be. I'm asking you to step out of your seat and I'm asking you to come and join me right here. And I would love the, the honor. You could do this at home. You could do this in your car. You could do this anywhere. But I would love the honor of leading you in that prayer as you put faith in what Jesus has done. Would you allow me that honor? If you want to receive Jesus as Savior, come right now. Step out of your seat right now. Don't wait on anybody else. Don't wait on anything. Step out from where you are and come and stand right here. And I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And you can leave here knowing that you have received Jesus into your life as Savior and as Lord. Would there be even one? Would there be even one? Don't wait, not one minute. Come right now to receive him as Savior. God bless you, sis. Who else? Who else will come today? Who else will come today? You say, I, I want Jesus in my life. I want him in my, I don't want to just be in church. I want Jesus inside of me. I want Jesus inside of me. Fox might get saved today too. I don't know. Hallelujah. Would there be anyone else? Anyone else? Those of you watching at home, as I lead this one in prayer, if you want to receive Jesus, you pray this right, right there where you're at, and God will hear you. Repeat this after me out loud. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you love me. Jesus, I know you died for me. I know you got up from the dead. I say yes to you. Forgive my sin. Come into my life. Your word says, if I believe in my heart, confess with my mouth, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.